All right, we ready for the word? We are in week three of Kingdom Builders. That's been the title of this series, Kingdom Builders. You know, as I think about that title, I think to myself, man, what a, what a great title for a message series. And what a great title for where we are as a church right now, right? We're, we're building the kingdom. And we've, we've studied Nehemiah, and we're going to study Nehemiah today. As Nehemiah was a great kingdom builder. We here at Life Church X, we're great kingdom builders. You sitting here today, you are a great kingdom builder in one way or another. The entire, you know, point of this message is that God has a purpose for your life. God has a specific calling for your life. And you may say, well, I don't, I don't know what that is. I, I don't, I'm not sure about that. I've heard that before, but I've always thought that that's for really super spiritual people. That's just not me. But the Bible says that God has created you for a specific purpose and a specific calling. And you look at week one, Pastor Matt talked about that when we say yes to the things of God, it positions us for that calling. And our lives go through seasons, or maybe better said, it goes through, we go through assignment after assignment with God. And every time we take a step out in faith, that assignment becomes more clear. It gets bigger. It gives us confidence and courage and faith to take the next step. And then in week two, we talked about taking action. Taking action. Because just like Nehemiah, for our own lives, it's that calling, that purpose, it's going to start with a burden. It's going to start with a burden and a passion for what God has called us to do. And when we have a burden and a passion and we bathe it in prayer, that prayer leads to wisdom and discernment about what God has called us to do, and we spring into action. It's about action. And one of the simplest examples I can give you about that is I can read this Bible all day long. All day long. I can know it from Genesis to Revelation, from the front cover to the back cover. But if I never put this word into action, how effective is it going to be in my life? It's always about action. And you might be saying, well, I don't really know what God's called me to do. And in some sense, just to be honest, we could probably all say that at some level. We'd agree on that. But I think if you think about this, we would also agree that you know enough about what God has called you to do that you're able to take some sort of action. Does that make sense? You may not know exactly what God's called you to do, but I bet if you thought about it and prayed about it, you do know enough that you can take an action step. And week, So we get to week three. That just gives you a little bit of a basis of where we are, and now we're going to talk about where we're going. Week three, we're going to talk about the follow-through. How do we do all that? Because in order to walk out God's plan and purpose for our life, you know what? We're going to need stamina. We're going to need endurance. We're going to need follow-through. And the title of our, our message today, this morning, in week three, is Don't Tap Out. Ever heard that before? Don't tap out. And more recently, does anybody know what the UFC is? My mother-in-law knows what the UFC is. She says yes. She says yes. Well, the UFC, I believe, stands for Ultimate Fighting Championship. Is that right? Is that what it is? Ultimate. So UFC. And my kids, my boys, love this UFC fighting stuff. I got a few guys nodding. All right, right. But what it is, you know, you've seen boxing, a boxing match, and then they have WWF, that fake wrestling stuff. This UFC, they get two guys. And sometimes it's actually two girls, but two guys. They're in this, 
They're in this cage. It's literally an octagon cage. And they, I, I don't know that there's any rules. I think there's a couple, like, you can't, like, knee a guy when he's, I don't even know what it is. But, like, there's a couple rules. Other than that, there's, like, just a couple rules. So, like, if you end up, like, killing the guy, I mean, he just ends up dead, I guess. I mean, it's that, it's that brutal. It's that brutal. And I know your pastor, I've learned to enjoy it. But here, here's, actually, my kids are not here today, so I don't really like it. It's kind of disgusting. I'd rather do something else. But, like, one of the rules of parenting I have is when my kids ask me to do something, I always say yes. And then when they want to watch UFC, I always say yes. I've actually, believe it or not, I've actually gone to two live events of these people watching them beat each other to a pulp. I know, it's crazy. But these guys just, they just maul each other. And there's a lot of wrestling, so there's like strangleholds, and they, they, they choke them out basically until they're unconscious, all these things. But the other, but... The guy that's getting beat up, he can do something if he's had enough. He's in a strangle, he's laying on the ground, and he can tap, and what that means is he's just tapped out. He's just tapped out. He's basically basically said, I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. And how many times... And we're going to talk about ways to not do this, so don't, this is going to be a good thing. But how many times in life do we embark on this journey that God has given us something to do, a plan and a purpose, and something happens and it gets too hard, and what do we do? We tend to tap out. We call it quits. And many times, this is not going to happen in the UFC, but it will happen in your spiritual life. Just about the moment that you want to tap out is the moment that you should trust God more, that you should have more faith. Because just about that moment where you're about to tap out, that's where your spiritual breakthrough is going to come through. That's when God is really going to show up and do something miraculous in your life. But the follow-through is really where life happens. Because we're all, we're all really good at starting things, right? We're really good at starting things. We're not so good at finishing them. And why is that? It's real easy because when you first start something, you start a new year. And you go on a three-day fast. And you start to embark on this journey of the greatest year of spiritual growth. On January 1st, it's really easy because it's exciting, it's new, it's motivating, it's inspiring. And then time goes on and what happens? You feel stress. You feel anxious. You feel like you can't do it anymore. You feel like you're not measuring up. You feel like you miss God. You feel like the world's crashing down and it's getting too hard. And you tend to tap out. And here's what happens. And we'll see this in the book of Nehemiah when we get here in a minute. And this is a good example for us here as we move forward in our spiritual walk. When we move forward in our spiritual walk, the devil knows what you're doing. In Nehemiah... Nehemiah was given numerous opportunities to get distracted and tap out. In our life, I don't need to tell you, you know it, right? There are numerous times where you can tap out. Because as you, as you go towards the, you read your Bible, you attend church, you go through growth track, you go to a life group, the devil knows what you're doing, right? And the devil is trying to thwart that progress any way that he can. And I say that because there are spiritual things going on behind the scenes that we need to be aware of. Amen? Let me pray before we go any farther. Father, I just thank you 
that you are who you say you are and you will do what you say you will do in our lives. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that as we minister your word and your gospel today, both here in Waterloo and as Pastor Matt does it in Jerseyville, Lord, that people's lives would be radically changed and they would walk in one way and walk out another, closer to you, more, have more vigor for you, have more faith in you. In your name we pray, amen. So I have three points for you this morning to help you not tap out or to help you follow through with what God has called you to do. Number one, expect resistance. Expect resistance. If you think life is going to be easy, you're wrong. If you think just because you're a Christian, life is going to be easy, you're wrong. If you think that you just accepted Christ in your life within the last 30 days, that your life is going to be easy now, you're sadly mistaken. We may like to think that at times as Christians, but that's not what the Bible says. And if we look at the story of Nehemiah, and if you have your Bibles today, you can turn to Nehemiah chapter 4. Here's what's going on in the story of Nehemiah. He has this burden to rebuild the temple. And that's how it's going to start many times with us. It's going to start with a burden. It's going to start with a passion. And we're going to have to bathe that in prayer. And then what Nehemiah does, he gathers a team of people around him. And he casts a clear and compelling vision of what God has called them to do, where they're going to go, how they're going to get there, and why they're going to do it. But then, again, there's spiritual things going on. The devil is going to try to distract him. So they get this team together, they're starting to build the wall, and progress happens. They start and progress happens. They have early momentum. Things are going great. They see the wall start to go up. They're probably experiencing spiritual growth at the time as well. And we're going to pick it up in chapter 4, verse 1. But it so happened when Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria. They said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, rubbish stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Hear, O God, hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn the reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to the land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out before them, before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashadites, I have no idea if I'm pronouncing these correctly, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of, and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Create confusion. Create a distraction. I'm going to oversimplify this, but in a way it's not really oversimplified. The devil's, the enemy's number one goal is to create confusion in your life. 
to create a distraction in your life. Because if he could just confuse you or distract you, guess what you're losing focus on? You're losing focus on Jesus and what he's called you to do. This is one of the greatest things that we need to protect ourselves from. Distractors, the people, and the distractions. So how do we do that? Well, again, you could argue that it's very simple. You don't give them the time of day, keep pressing forward, and you trust God. Sometimes in life, we overthink things. And the answer to most of our problems Our most of our progress that maybe is stalled are on the simple side. Because when you see Nehemiah's response, you see Nehemiah's character, you see his integrity. And much of life, much of life is how we respond to what happens to us. How do we respond to those distractions? Do we see them? As distractions, because if you're focused on the distraction, guess what we're doing? We're placing a higher value on the distraction. We're, we're placing a higher value on the enemy than we are in Jesus Christ and the plans and the purposes for our lives. And these things should not be surprises. They should not be surprises. When The next time you feel like you're getting spiritually attacked, I would wear it as a badge of honor. The next time you feel like you're getting spiritually attacked or the enemy's coming against you, I would take that as confirmation that you must be up to good. I would take that as confirmation that you're probably following God's plan and purposes for your life. Because the closer you get, the more distractions the devil is going to try to put in your way. Expect resistance. Number two, stay on the wall. Stay on the wall. We'll see here in a minute where four times these guys try to get Nehemiah down from the wall to stop the work. We need persistence. We need endurance. We need stamina. I'll give you a few real-life examples of persistence that I just Googled last night. And it said, General Douglas MacArthur was rejected by West Point two times. Two times. What if he didn't apply the third time? What if he wasn't persistent? Dr. Seuss was rejected by 27 publishers. 27. Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team. Charles Schultz, the founder of Starbucks, everybody likes a good Starbucks, right? He was turned down by 217 banks. He went to 217 banks to get a loan for his idea. Nobody would give it to him. Here's one that I just think is funny. Walt Disney. Walt Disney, one of the most creative people in the history of the world, right, was fired by the newspaper editor that he worked at when he was a young man for lack of ideas. Lack of ideas. Those are just examples of persistence. You have to have endurance. If you want this to be the greatest year of your spiritual life, man, again, you have to have endurance. It's going to take stamina. It's going to take persistence. Life is not a spectator sport. That UFC example I gave you earlier, 
Unfortunately, sometimes life looks a little bit like that, right? My life sometimes looks a little bit like that UFC fight. Don't laugh at me and shake your head. You're in the same boat, right? You're trapped in this octagon. You're trapped in all these circumstances of life that are just distractions. And there are times in life you just have to stay on the wall. You have to fight and you have to not tap out because God's plan and purposes are right on the other side of you giving up. This is why why knowing who you are, this is why knowing who you are in Christ and what he has called you to do is so important. Because that's what gives you the persistence to stay on the wall. That's what gives you the passion to stay on the wall. That's what gives you the endurance and the stamina. Those are the things that cause you. And when you know who you are in Christ, you will stay on the wall. Listen, like, I'm trying to think of a good example, but uh, I mean, we have three kids. I, I didn't stop parenting when my kids started crying as babies, right? I didn't stop parenting. I didn't tap out when one of my kids had a blowout in their diaper. I didn't say, hey, man, I'm done. You stay the course. You don't quit your job every time your boss gets on you. You don't give up on your marriage every time your wife yells at you. I'd be doing it all day long. (laughs) You're there to stay on the wall. Distractions will be at every turn. Nehemiah 6, chapter 1. Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it. Though at that time I had not hung the doors and the gates that Sambalat, Geshem, sent to me saying, come, let us meet together. They're trying to get him to come down from the wall. Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? I'm going to jump down to verse 8. Then I sent to him saying, no such things have you been, have been done, but you invent them in your own heart. They were trying to make up things that Nehemiah wasn't doing. For they, were, for they were all trying to make us afraid. Their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. They were trying to stop the building of something for God's kingdom. Hey, the best way to stop a great work is to stop the leader. Just the way it is. That's why it's so vitally important that we as a church, we pray for pastors Matt and Katie every day. The best way to stop a great work is to stop the leader. The best way to stop God's plan for your life is to stop you. The devil doesn't have to worry about stopping the work. All he has to do is stop you. Hey, there's only one way that things get done on this earth in the spirit. There's only one way that God's kingdom is built in a practical way. There's only one way. It's through people. It's through people. Yes, it can be 
miraculous and, and, and spiritual and God can speak, but the outworkings of that thing is always done through people. That's Jesus Christ's one method. Why he chose that, I don't have any idea. All the devil has to do is stop you, distract you, have you lose focus on him. Years ago, I'll give you an example. Years ago, um, I don't even know when this, how long ago this was. I was a police chaplain in the city of Ferguson when Ferguson had all the, um, the riots and stuff. So whenever that was, I can't remember. But so I would show up, and, and you'd have to, you'd go into these riots. They'd be rioting wherever. And here, and here how I was trained. Here's how I was trained. You go into the middle of this riot, middle of this Thousands of people, and you identify the leader. Every group has a leader, good or bad. They always have a leader. I was trained to identify the leader, separate him from the group, and find out what he really wants. Here's why I say that. Here's what the devil is trying to do to us. He's trying to get you, separate you, distract you, confuse you, take you away from church, growth track, life group, praying, reading your Bible. He's trying to separate you from all those things. So that he can thwart the progress in your life. And why was Nehemiah not distracted? How can we be not distracted? Nehemiah was not distracted because he had clarity. He had clarity about his core mission. Again, you'll probably, you'll probably hear me say this hundreds of times. Because he knew who he was. When you know who you are in Christ, you then have clarity. Nehemiah had clarity. And when we have clarity about what we're supposed to be doing, we then have clarity about what we're not supposed to be doing. Let me say that again. When you have clarity about what you're supposed to be doing, you also have clarity about what you're not supposed to be doing. And that clarity is what causes you to stay on that wall. That clarity is what causes you to stay persistent. And we get that clarity just like Nehemiah did in the beginning. He bathed it in prayer. When we bathe things in prayer each and every day, the clarity has become more clear, more clear, and more clear. Sometimes in life, you have to say no to good things in order to say yes to great things. Most times in life, you have to say no to worldly things to say yes to God things. And how do you know when to say no? How do you know when to say no? It's easy when you are keenly aware of what you've already said yes to. Hey, when we say yes to Jesus, that has to mean that we say no to other things. When we say yes to Jesus, that means we say no to other things. And the distractions and the confusing things have to be just that and set to the side. We have to be guarded to what we say yes to. As Pastor Matt had said in week one, we go from assignment to assignment to assignment. And I can look back and see in my life where that, that's happened. I've gone from assignment to assignment to assignment. And I would say that right now, I'm in an assignment 
or, or, or in a season of my life where I believe God has called me to exhaust my influence. No matter where I'm at, exhaust my influence. And I say that in this context because that gives me, that, that brings, that, that makes me think all the time. I have to be very guarded to what I say yes to. Because the few things that I say yes to, I'm all in. You have to be very guarded to the things that you say yes to. Hey, there are good worldly things out there, really good, that you might have to say no to because you're saying yes to God and his purpose for your life. And you're saying yes to God and his plan for your life. And you say, well, how do I, how do I know what that is? And I'll just give you two quick practical Two quick practical questions you can ask yourself to know. Number one, is what you are doing producing fruit? Is what you are doing producing fruit? And if it is, spiritual fruit. If it is, you're probably well on your way. Number two, is what you're doing bringing honor to your name? Or his name? Is what you're doing bringing honor to your name or his name? Because bringing honor to his name, that, that's always the main thing. That's always the main thing. I referenced baseball practice earlier, and again, we had our first day of practice this week, and I worked with the pitchers. So I had to, broke off with the pitchers, and I, you know, I kind of set the stage for the season or would have lay out the ground rules and we got to the part where hey here are the 10 things that we are going to be known for as a team as a pitching staff and it's a bunch of baseball stuff that I won't get into but I had 10 things number one the number one thing that we will be known for as a pitching staff as a team we will honor Jesus Christ in all that we do we will honor Jesus Christ in all that we do, on the baseball field, at home, with your friends, in the classroom, with your teachers. That's the number one thing. If we don't get anything right all year long, that's what we're going to get right. We're going to keep the main thing the main thing. So that's a good question to ask yourself when you're on this journey of finding God's purpose and plan for your life, is what I am doing, is it bringing honor to my name or his name? And I take that one step further. If you're doing something that always bringing honor to his name, you will be well taken care of. You will be well taken care of. Amen? When the main thing isn't clear, nothing is clear. Number three, keep trusting God and keep praying. Keep trusting God and keep praying. Do you think Nehemiah, when he started his journey, right, he prayed and prayed and prayed to get it started? Do you think that was the last time that he prayed? Nope. And he was praying every step of the way. He was trusting every step of the way. So no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're going to achieve, you got to keep trusting God. When the distractions come, you got to keep trusting God, and you got to keep praying. And you got to keep trusting God, and you got to keep praying. Because when we get into that mindset, or when we get into that lifestyle, guess what happens? You're operating in a way where you are constantly expecting God to show up. You're operating in a way where you're constantly expecting God to show up. That's an environment we need to walk in. Hey, I know what I'm capable of. I know what I can do. I need help. I need to put myself in a position. I need to put myself in, in, in opportunities 
where I'm doing what I can, but at the end of the day, I'm walking into that situation, I'm trusting, I'm praying, and I am expecting God to show up when I need him. Trusting and praying are necessary for any assignment that we'll ever have. Nehemiah refuses to run in fear. He refuses to get distracted. He refuses to live in fear. Anybody ever watch NASCAR? I watched a little bit of NASCAR, but I always watched the Daytona 500. It's the biggest race of the year. These guys, they're, they're going like 200 miles an hour around this track. And I mean, and they're bumper to bumper, they're nose to nose. And there's accidents all the time. And I'm not a race car driver, so I don't know if this is true, but I actually did read an article on this. You know, when a crash happens in front of them, they usually can't really see that well, right? There's smoke, and sometimes there's fire, and you're going 200 miles an hour, and you can't see. And they do have, they wear these headphones, whatever. They do have spotters that are way up that are telling them, go down, go up, whatever. But this article I read said that when you're, when you're flying at 200 miles an hour, the crash is in front of you, and you can't see. Here's what you should do. You should go right for it. You should go right for it. Because things are moving so fast, when you get there, it's not going to be there. It, it's not going to be there. It's going to be somewhere else. How many times, maybe you haven't, but I know I have, you're going through life and you get fearful, so you kind of avoid it. You take a step back. Eh, I'm not going to do that now. I'll wait. I'll wait until God tells me to do it again. But then there's also every once in a while where I muster up some faith. And I cast the fear aside, and I keep on plowing ahead, and I keep on going, and I take a couple steps towards that thing that I was so fearful of, and you're expecting God to show up, and you take another a couple more steps filled with faith, and you go, and then you get to that point where you think you're probably going to run right into that other car. You get to the point, and then you get there, and you guess what? You look around, and you're like, man, what was I afraid of? They've already cleaned up the track. Matter of fact, I only hit the brake for a second. I'm back to all gas and sunny skies. Because like that song Pastor Guy was singing this morning, it's all about the victory. The victory is in front of me. The victory is never behind me. Hey, I don't know what God's done in your life. Some awesome things, no doubt, because I've heard the stories. But the victory in your life isn't back there with those great things. Those are great stories, and they did happen, and those are monumental stones that we can step on. But God's best days for you are ahead of you. <laughs> Nehemiah 4, verse 9. We read 1 through 8 earlier. And I'm going to read 8 real quick just to give you some context. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. This is where we talked about the devil is just there to create confusion. But here's what verse 9 says. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. We set a watch against them day and night. They set watch on the wall. Prayer was important, but the action was important as well. 
Here's my point on that. Prayer, as important as it is, and it is, obviously, prayer does not eliminate the need to take practical measures in your life. Prayer does not eliminate you from taking practical action. As a matter of fact, it should speed up the process. Because when we go to prayer, when we're speaking to God, he's giving us discernment and wisdom and knowledge so that we know what to act on. The follow-through, what we've talked about, the follow-through is the most important part of the assignment, I believe. Why? Because it's hard. It's H-A-R-D. It's hard. It's hard. Pastor Guy, you can come up. We've gone from week one about assignment, week two about taking action, and week three about the follow-through. And the follow-through is where most people tap out because you need endurance. You need strength. You need to stay the course. But it's the most important. Because you'll never be able to fulfill God's call on your life without that. Mark Twain, I love this quote. I've used it before. and I heard it the other day. Mark Twain says, the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. It's great, right? The day you were born and the day you find out why. I always add a third to that list. The day you were born, the day you find out why. And number three, the day you actually decide to do something about it. That's where life happens, right? I'm never going to fulfill the call on my life. You're never going to fill God's grand plan for your life until you actually decide to do something about it. That's where the power comes in. And just about the time that you're ready to tap out Man, that's where the breakthrough comes. That's where the power comes. That's when Jesus really comes into our life. And this life we have, it's really life, it's a life of exchange. It's Jesus' life for our life. That's where it all starts. That's where it all starts. It's this beautiful exchange. And I am giving up control. And Lord, I am giving you control. And that's the main thing. Share one more verse, John 15, 5. John 15, 5, you've probably heard it before. But when you're talking about follow through, to me, this is what gives us the courage to follow through. And maybe even the simplicity to follow through. 
verse five says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. For without him, you can do nothing. And the first step is to give your life to Christ. And if you haven't done that this morning, if you've never given your life to Christ, or you want to recommit your life to Christ, or you want to live a life where you're not going to tap out, and maybe you just think, man, I am on the precipice of God doing something great in my life, but there's just something holding me back. There's just something where, man, I get to that point and I start to step on the brake and I start to slow down because I'm not, I'm just not sure. With every eye closed and every head bowed around this place, If you want prayer for any of those things, you can lift up your hand when I count to three. And we'll pray over that. If you want to give your life to Christ, if you want to recommit, or if you want prayer for strength and courage so that you won't tap out, then you'll see the course and you'll stay committed. On the count of three, one, two, three. Yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Anybody else? You can put your hands down. Mighty God, we just thank you for what you're doing in this place today. Lord, I thank you for the people that raised their hands today. Lord, that they took that step. Lord, I pray for all those people Lord, that you would be the center of their life. Lord, that you would invade their hearts and their soul. Lord, that you would wipe away all that sin. That you would wipe away any blemish and that we bo- they would be crystal clean. Lord, that you would be now in them, that you would reside in them, that you would be in control of their life. Lord, and for the people, Lord, that need that extra something, to get off for the call. Lord, I don't know what that is, but you do. And Lord, I just pray that in this moment right now, in the, in the, in the hours that come, in the days that come, that you would be continually speaking to them so that they can have the endurance and stamina to win their race and the race that you have called them to live. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, stand your feet as we worship out of here and if our prayer partners would come down and if you want to if you need prayer for anything our prayer partners are here for you turn it for good turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good come on you take
know that your victory is in front of you, that your best days are ahead. For, hey, for those men and women that just raised their hand at the end, just remember what you just said yes to a few minutes ago. And for all of us in here, remember what you said yes to, because distractions are gonna come. Confusion is gonna come. You're gonna have stress and anxiety at some point is gonna try to invade you. But in those moments, you have to remember what you've said yes to. Because you have, by saying yes, you've already decided how you are going to respond in those times of distraction. You've already made the decision what you're going to say yes to and what is just purely going to be a distraction. Father, we thank you for these people in here today. Lord, we thank you that you have chosen us to be a part of your kingdom, to be a part of your team, to be a part of building your church for your vast kingdom. And Lord, I just ask you to bless these people that walk out, out of here today. And all that we do honors and glorifies your most holy name. And all God's children said... Amen, amen. Well, God bless you. See you next week.